Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Charlotte Mecklenburg History with Dan Morrill. Today is Wednesday, February 12th, 2020, and I am Dan's daughter, Mary Dana, and I'm here today with Dan. And today we are going to talk about gold mining in Mecklenburg County. Um, so I wanted to say before we start that you can follow Dan uh, at Dan Morrill, all one word, D-A-N-M-O-R-R-I-L-L, at Instagram. We've been putting up photographs that go along with the podcast. Uh, you can email him at danmorrill, the number two, at gmail.com, and you can look at his website, www.danmorrill.org. Uh, I also wanted to mention um, some of my dad's credentials today, in case you don't know who he is. Uh, he is a retired professor from UNCC. He served there for 51 years. He was the longest serving faculty member, in fact, at his time of retirement in 2014. He is the retired director of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Historic Landmarks Commission. He was inducted into the Order of the Longleaf Pine, which is the highest award given by the state of North Carolina for public service. And not content to be fully retired, he is currently with Preserve Mecklenburg. So let's start talking about gold mining. I feel like Rip Van Winkle. Why? why? So old. You're going through all those things I've done, but it's been fun. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. So today, what are we going to talk about, Mary Dana? Gold. Oh, my gosh. Well, listen, let me give you the... Between 1831 and 1848, Charlotte and the Piedmont of North Carolina and Upper South Carolina were a huge gold-producing area of the United States. And it was a transformational process for the economy of this region. Didn't last. Like all mining, boy, when the, when the ore's gone or when another source of ore's better, it all goes, but it was really big. <laughs> while it lasted. And I'm really going to be focusing on two primary gold mines today. And just to give you the realities, one was the St. Catherine's Mine. And it is liter it was literally located beneath where Bank of America Stadium is. Now, if you go to a uh, football game with the Carolina Panthers, you're literally sitting on top of the St. Catherine's Mine. The other mine, which was just south of uh, Bank of America Stadium, the main pump shaft or the main entrance to the mine was almost at the intersection of South Mint Street and Summit Avenue. And that was the Rudersal gold mine, which was named for the hill where basically it was located. So 
that's that's essentially what I'm going to be talking about is how did this goal come about and what kind of an impact did it have so now I want before I also wanted to mention a disclaimer that because I think a lot of people don't realize that there are gold mines actually in uptown Charlotte I think that's surprising to a lot of people but I wanted to mention that these shafts are permanently closed permanently sealed full of water on on private property correct so, go, so, go looking for gold yes, please do not head uptown with a pickaxe and a flashlight no no, no. because you will be disappointed no. and possibly arrested no that's right so uh, so uh, we, need we just to be, we just wanted to be clear right 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 on that because i think a lot of people when they think of gold mines they think of reed gold mine which right, is still which open. I'm gonna, which I'm, that's going to be the first thing I'm going to talk okay, about. Okay, so but but and they don't realize about the the existence of these other other mines. So okay. Well, the um, the story begins in 1799, and it occurred in what was then Eastern Mecklenburg County. It's now Cabarrus County because Cabarrus County was formed and took part of Mecklenburg. And it was on a little creek called Little Meadow Creek. And there was a a young boy by the name of uh, Conrad Reed, R-E-E-D. And he was fishing in the creek. You know, you go fishing, you got to eat. And he saw this rock, this uh, 17-pound rock. He said, mm, that looks kind of pretty. And so he picked it up, literally, out of the creek, picked it up, took it home, and his father, whose name was um, John Reed, said, we'll just use it as a doorstop. Well, now that was in 1799 that happened. Well, he just stood there as a doorstop there in the the the, the log house where they lived and then in 1802 John went to Fayetteville now Fayetteville used to be called Cross Creek but everybody knows it now as Fayetteville and it was a real important place because it was the head of navigation on the Cape Fear River so he went down there well he took that rock with him and he went to a jeweler, and a jeweler said, I'll give you $3.50 for this 17-pound rock. And John sold it to him. Well, the blooming thing was gold. Well, this spread like wildfire. You mean this guy went down in the creek? Of course, John knew he made a big mistake. Even by the money of that day, he sold it cheap. Mm-hmm. But this started really the realization that there was gold to be had. Well, now, between, say, 1802, when this event occurred in Fayetteville, and 1825, gold mining was done sort of haphazardly. It was it was all surface basic mining. They, they, they'd just literally go around and look on their farms and see if they could pick up something that was gold. And maybe they would dig a little pit, just a little pit. These are called placer pits, P-L-A-C-E-R, placer pits. And you'll find placer pits, go, go in the woods. Go in the woods all throughout this region. 
And you'll come across these areas where there were these placer pits. And usually what they would do after, they har after the farmers harvested their crop in the fall, they would go and spend the winter when they didn't have anything else to do. And they'd, you know, just take a pick and a shovel and go out and look for gold. So it, it more or less stayed that way until 1825. Now in 18, now, and by the way, in, in, in 1825, a few miles north of the Reed Farm, there was there was there, there there was a very very important discovery by a man named Matthias Beringer. Now, he was the first one to to find a vein of gold. Now, gold was frequently located in veins of quartz rock, and there was there happened to be a vein of gold that was very close to the surface of Mr. Beringer's farm. This too was in uh, eastern Mecklenburg County. And he, 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 he saw a vein of gold. In, in, in other words, distributed in this quartz rock. Well, that changed everything because now you, you could really get a lot of gold if you could go down and shaft down into the ground. And if you could find gold in that quartz rock. So, so this, this Matthias Barringer, after that you had, you had to have a little bit more money, you took more labor, but you could really start making some real money if you could find a vein of gold. Now, this brings us to a very interesting event in 1826. Because once they knew that there was a vein of gold up on Mr. Barringer's farm, well, everybody started looking for a vein of gold, including Mr. Reed, and that's where the Reed Gold Mine comes from. The Reed Gold Mine was one of these early mines with shafting that went down to find the gold in the ground. And it's a state historic site now. If you go out Albemarle Road, you can go and visit the Reed Gold Mine. The tour, go down and yeah, down the yeah, tour. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, now, get this story. It's 1826. Some fellow was, was deer hunting south of town. And I'm talking about where, if you, if you go over on Summit Avenue, go to the intersection of Mint Street and Summit Avenue. And it used to be called Gold Street. It did. Didn't it? Yeah. it did. But, you go to to that intersection and head east up Summit Avenue, and you go up a hill. Well, got to turn my phone off. Sorry. <laughs> you you go up a hill, and that that was the Rudisil Hill. It was already known as the Rudisil Hill. Well, this guy went out deer hunting. Well, he went to uh, looking, walking through the woods, and so forth. And he saw some gold on the ground. And, hmm, that kind of interested him. And he went back to town and told people, I was out there and I found some gold. Now, this was surface gold mining. Well, there was a fellow named Samuel Henderson who lived in Charlotte. 
And he said, well, let's go out there and let's go up on that Russell Hill and let's start digging and see if we come into something. Well, this was 1826. So this Samuel Henderson, who's sort of a local Charlotte guy, he's sort of known as the father of Mecklenburg County gold mining. He went up there on top of that hill, started digging, and he found a vein of gold. Well, <laughs> and they and they found that this vein of gold, if you drive down, say you go West Trade Street, turn left on Mint Street. Mint Street goes into West Trade Street. Mm-hmm. You drive down Mint Street, you are more or less following that vein of white quartz rock that runs underground from over at the Russell Hill up to what is now Bank of America Stadium. Now, therefore, this gives gives a tremendous impetus to want to get some real, real substantial amounts of money to really start some very, very serious gold mining. Samuel Henderson did some up on the Russell Hill. And there was a guy named Sam McComb who had the land up where Bank of America Stadium is. They were doing some, you know, preliminary digging and they put some shafts down, but they didn't have a they didn't have a whole bunch of money. But then mm-hmm. in eighteen thirty, a guy comes to town who was an expert mining engineer. He worked for the London Mining Company. And his name was Chevalier Riva Finoli. Okay. And he was uh, he was an Italian. He had already had lots of experience in South America with gold mining. And when he found out that this gold was being dis- discovered here in this area, he traveled in the Piedmont of Virginia and North Carolina looking to see where gold was sufficiently plentiful to be able to start mining operations. Well, he came to Charlotte. And he went up there on the Russell Hill. And he walked up to Mr. McCombs' uh, land up there at Bank of America Stadium. And he said, hmm, <laughs> there's, a, there's enough gold here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start major gold operations. Now, just talking about the Russell mine specifically, Riva Finoli came back in 1831 with $200,000. Now, I don't know what the equivalent of $200,000 was in today's money for 1831, but, you know, somebody can make that calculation. But I can tell you right now, these sod-busting Presbyterian Scots-Irish farmers, they ain't never seen anything <laughs> like somebody with $200,000. Rio Finoli occupied a, he, he had him a house built about where Moorhead Street and South Trine are. And he, he had him a fine horse. And I mean, people in Charlotte just went gaga over this guy. They never seen anybody. He was very regal in his bearing. 
and he stayed here from about 1831 to 1835. Now, now let me give you a, a, a sense of how there were at the height of the Rudisil gold mine, which would have been in the 1830s, it it had a workforce of close to a thousand people. Oh, it was really big. It was huge, and they had, of course, steam engines running all the time because they had to pump water out on. And they these these miners. And by the way, a lot of the miners, because see, there was no railroad here to Charlotte at that time. These people had to come all overland. There's no railroad here until the 1850s. A lot of these people who came were Cornishmen. They were from Cornwall. London Mining Company, British, Cornwall, uh, Cornwall's in the southwestern part of England. And they, Cornwall was where they did a lot, they had historically done a lot of tin mining, which is deep shaft mining. So these Cornishmen knew a lot about how to build these shafts. And by the way, one of the people who came and worked in these early gold mines was a man named Richard Wern, W-E-A-R-N. And his house still stands on Tuckaseegee Road, just west of Interstate 85. And it is a designated historic landmark. And I was actually involved in making sure that that house got preserved. And it's still there as somebody's uh, home. So the Richard Wern house. And Richard Wern and his wife are buried in the Old Settlers Cemetery. Now, if you can imagine, they, they, they brought all this, um, they brought all this go up in buckets. And literally, I can't imagine what it was like. I mean, these poor souls, I mean, you know, there weren't any electric lights and nobody had ever developed a light bulb. They had candles down deep in the earth, hot, sweaty, cussing, drinking. I mean, it was was blue-collar work, to say the least. It was not... Well, Mr. Riva Finoli might ride around on his horse, but down in the ground, it was really gritty. And they would have a horse or a mule, usually made blind, so they'd, and it'd just go round and round and round and round and round and round, and it would lift these buckets up. And big steam engines had to pump that water out all the time because it was below the water table. Well, it was a, I mean... Yeah, major ma- ma- major. Now, I would say there's one other name. Riva Finoli stayed here until about 1835. And then he went on to, you know, other fields. And there's a wonderful story that uh, he went, He was invited to somebody's home and they served him sauerkraut. He said it was the finest sauerkraut he ever had. And he traded sauerkraut for wine. And I mean, anyway, there's all these stories. But okay. he brought a guy named John Penman here. Now, John Penman stayed throughout this heyday of gold mining. In fact, he stayed on in Charlotte until at least the 1850s. And Penman was somewhat of a rake. He was, uh, might we say, he enjoyed the ladies. Okay. 
In fact, he became somewhat of a um, notorious local official because he would he would come into town with his carriage, giving rides to all his lady friends. So, and there's a street down off South Mint Street, which is named which is Penman Street, which is named for John Penman. And there's even a sign down there to think. So this was a huge, major operation. Interestingly enough, a lot of people don't know this. We talked about slavery before, and we were talking about the Rosenwald schools. Yes. Many people don't realize that companies owned slaves. And there were a lot of slaves who worked for the gold mines. They were actually owned by the gold mines. And you can imagine the kind of work they had to do. I mean, they, yeah, they were the ones. They were the ones down there digging With a lot the of the candles. Shit. And oh the Lord, heat. Lord, right. Lord, Lordy me, Lordy me. But I mean, it was it was a huge. I mean, there was there were more people working at the Russell and the St. Catherine's mine. And by the way, Riva Finoli managed both. Mm-hmm. He invested in both. Not only the not only the Russell gold mine but also in the St. Catherine's gold mine. Well, we have one major building which sort of remains from that era, and that was in December 1837. Because of all this gold, the uh, United States government established a branch of the United States Mint on West Trade Street in Charlotte. And that's why Mint Street's named Mint Street, because it ran right beside the Mint. Now, the Mint was had two fundamental functions. One was to test the purity of gold, because one of the real problems with gold was counterfeiting. When you didn't have an official governmental function to have an assay office, A-S-S-A-Y. People would bring gold in and they would use chemicals to test it, to test its purity. And then, of course, they'd pay the people that brought the gold in. So one of its functions was to be an assay office. The other was to actually mint money. And there is, there are coins around that have a C on them that were gold coins minted in Charlotte. And if you got any of those, don't get rid of them. <laughs> they are they are very, very valuable. Well, and the man who designed the the Charlotte branch of the United States Mint was a man named William Strickland. Now Strickland, S T R I C K L A N D was a very famous architect. And fam- in fact, he's buried in the Tennessee State Capitol in Nashville, Tennessee, because he was an architect also for that building, and they so admired him for the beauty. So if you want to go and see the grave of the architect of the the Charlotte branch of the United States Mint, for that they had to go to Philadelphia to get this. And the Lord did go up Virginia, you know, robbers didn't take their gold. Oh, right, a long way. So it was a long way. Now... So that was a big, big operation. And I'll talk a little bit. I'll sort of 
finish up about the mint later, but let me tell you what happened. Uh, in um, how long was the time? Are we already at 22 minutes? Yeah, well, a little more than that. But oh, good. my gosh. I know. The time flies I, I mean, when you're I, having I, I fun talking well, about all well, this well, gold. Well, well, I'll finish real fast. Okay. 1848, gold is discovered in California. That, that, that did really it. That killed the goose. Right. I mean, they just left. The miners left. All I've been with. There were some efforts to keep it going. The mint was taken over by the Confederate government in 1861 when North Carolina seceded from the United States. They used it as an office building, basically, and a supply kind of warehouse. It was reopened. It continued as an essay office after that until the early 20th century when it was closed. The mint in the 1930s was torn down. They did drawings of it, and they hauled part of the foundation stones during the 1930s out to Eastover. Right. And you go to the Mint Museum. Well, you'd be amazed how many people think that's the original location of the building. Give me a break. <laughs> anyway, But anyway, now, uh, there were efforts to try to get the goal going again. It never, it's sporadic, and they, they, they never really got it going right. again. It never really reached that level well, again. Well, I, I was going to say one thing about the Mint Museum that's on Randolph Road now. If you go to the back side of the museum, which is on Hempstead, you can see a reconstructed facade of Strickland's of, United States right, Mint Building. Absolutely, it's got the gold eagle over got, right, the, the top, the mm-hmm. diddly doodly doodly, and all right. that kind of stuff. Okay, so, so then yeah. I'm going to end up because I'm out of time. But there was an effort in the 1970s to maybe consider reopening the mines as a tourist attraction, and I actually was involved in that. And it was a screwy idea from the beginning because it would have been so expensive because you you would have had to pump water out. And even all the time, and even now, a lot of those shafts are still there. Now, many of them have been destroyed because of development. But that's the basic story of gold in Mecklenburg County. Okay. Well, thank you. And, you know, that it, this has been an interesting episode, I think. So... Well, Thank I could say a lot time. more, but I'm out of time. Well, maybe sometime we can have a part two. So, but next week we are going to talk about Davidson and Davidson College. Absolutely. Okay, so great. So thanks so much for being here, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.